I feel like I sort of owe it to Steve to do that since he played Nier for us uh, last time. And I just watched him play it. Um, kind of feel like I should play this one and let him watch uh, if he wants. I know you were anyway, going to look for someone who already recorded it. Did you not have any luck there? No, I see. I uh, I haven't even just taken the five minutes to do that. Yeah, like that would also be a, a very legit option. I like the idea of streaming it, but the fact that I'm so bad at the game, I feel like it would it would not be doing a uh, you know it would not be doing him the same service that he did us because he was yeah. really freaking good at near um, and knew everything going on. Whereas I I gotta say like I have been spending most of my time in this game running away from hordes of thugs just are chasing me around the hive man like i didn't do anything to oh, i mean i guess i killed a few of them probably yeah, a while ago these things happen. <laughs> <laughs> so they just will not give up and so i just i don't know like um well i don't know uh anyway we can we can get to that but that's that's been a lot of my experience uh in the hive so far um but I had a. I thought I would open the discussion, if I may, uh, asking about the um, the fiery dude. Did everyone get to the fiery dude? Yes. Uh, what do they call him? The smoldering corpse. The smoldering or something? corpse in the smoldering corpse bar, and <laughs> said smoldering corpse goes by the name of Ignis, just to you know make it even less subtle. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> Ignis is hanging out in the middle of the bar, mm -hmm. uh, on fire. Yep. And suspended in midair, and it's, um, it's a really, uh, creepy thing. And it also made me think really strongly of, and maybe it was because you were playing Mist this past week, Ben, and or I watched you playing, mm -hmm. whenever you did play. Um, it made me think very much of Magic: The Gathering. And yeah. I don't know if that's an explicit, like, connection there, but, like, the whole thing, so, like, in Mist, where it's, like, the uh, the people trapped in the books or whatever, um, and, like, the dueling mages, you know, that was always, like, the conceit behind the magic cards, mm -hmm. right, was that you are, like, the avatar of this powerful wizard, and you're battling against this other powerful wizard, and... Um, so that, that was like the sort of the backstory there. And I, I was just kind of interested in this. Um, I know last time you mentioned you did some side quest for a mage or somebody. Um, but this is my first brush with a wizard here in the plains. So what is going on there? Like, are they, can anyone become a wizard? Uh, the way that our, our player character seems to be able to change roles? Uh, or is that like a special status of some kind? Yeah, um, this is definitely a mic question, and unfortunately okay. he's not here at the moment. Uh, but well, we can wait till he gets yeah. here. Uh, what I do know of Dungeons & Dragons is that there are sort of two classic spellcasting classes. One are your traditional wizards, and the other are your sorcerers. Um, sorcerers receive their power through their lineage like they, they inherit it the way that you know like genetically or something and as a consequence sorcerers it, it's magic is very natural to them um, they tend to you know be sort of uncontrolled and a little wild and unpredictable 
Um, but again, it, it's like literally in their blood uh, in this case. And as a consequence, not everyone can become a sorcerer. Um, and yes, source, it's, it's an excellent pun. Um, wizards, on the other hand, are basically you... academics in Dungeons and Dragons. Like, they just study really, really hard and they learn all these spells and they, you know, learn it strategically. So I think just about anyone can become a wizard. Um, like, folks of virtually any race, uh, any bloodline, etc. Um, like all of them can become wizards, but some are more inclined to it. Like you find that there aren't a whole lot of orc wizards out there because they just don't have the patience for this nonsense. Um, whereas there are many elf wizards. So, mm -hmm. so do so the sorcerers don't have a choice whether they can use magic or not. They weren't like offered the yeah. option, and wizards are kind of like they make the choice to be the wizard. In a sense, um, like most sorcerers. Yes, they don't have a choice to be the bloodline they are, although there are sorcerers that, like, reject the call and refuse to use the magical abilities that they have. Like, Dungeons & Dragons is broad enough that, you know, you, you can create a character that's mm. following sort of any track there. Um, but it's... Yeah, it, it's, it just comes oh, yeah. naturally. It's something that is very open to them. Um, it, it very like You'd be kind of silly to have this sort of power and then just intentionally not use it. Um, but it is significant. You're not using a limb or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it's right there. You feel it calling you, like, in some cases very explicitly. Um, and obviously, like, your sorcerer abilities could be tied to certain kinds of magic, like... Uh, mechanically, you usually end up focusing on one or two schools of magic. So you might have a sorcerer who's all about doing magical fire damage and like bomb dropping fireballs left and right. Or you might have a wizard who's a little bit more subtle and he can do like transmutation, turning things into other things. Or maybe your sorcerer is of a particularly dark uh, quality and is casting a lot of necromancy spells. Not like I ever did that as a sorcerer when I was playing D&D. <laughs> But yeah, like, that inclination is a part of the character. It's just built into their genetic code, into who they are. Usually because, like, somewhere along the line, you know, somebody was... Somebody was hanging out a little bit too closely with a demon or a dragon or, you know, some other wildly magical being, and you've inherited the strange genetic traits that that brings about. Um, and as a consequence, whatever line it is that you're following could very well offer you certain certain powers that are very difficult to resist using. Yeah, well, it seems like this Ignis made a wrong step somewhere along the line because he is being tortured indefinitely uh, in a fiery, but he's like, in the threshold of a fire plane yeah, or something? Yeah, he is the threshold. Like, somebody uh, apparently use, is using his body as the door to a plane of fire. Um, which is a pretty warped thing for people to do, but it's also kind of presented, like, his his little companion there who you talk to, Drusilla. Um, yeah. She mentions that this is kind of like a really bad in poor taste practical joke that a bunch of wizards have apparently played on him for some mad reason um and as a consequence now he is just this conduit to just literal fire and he, he's just like constantly producing this this flame um and it's by sheer force of will by sheer like 
concentration of power that Ignis just burst into flame and is consumed. Um, like he's using every ounce of magical energy he has to resist being consumed by this flame. Yeah, yeah, Mike. We were we were asking about wizards and sorcerers and whether they are just regular people like you and me, or if they are somehow special uh, in the D and D world. And I was I was curious if it was a connection to um, Magic: The Gathering sort of uh, backstory of that game as well, where it's like wizards are maybe present in the game as cards or whatever, but you as the player are also like a wizard and that that's like a different level of, of being in some way. So and I, any I thoughts on that? Give a sort of Cliff's Notes version on sorcerers being genetically magical, yeah. but like I obviously don't know too well. Is your stuff working? Yeah, my stuff, my stuff should be working. Um, yeah, so the so the the wizard sorcerer split is um, somewhat mechanical, somewhat narrative. So the basic idea is that a wizard is someone who comes to magical knowledge and power through intense academic study. Um, basically, they just learn spells and they explore the nature of spells over and over and over again until they have it. Uh, sort of down to a level of understanding. Um, sorcerers are someone who have sort of an innate gift and innate connection to magic. Um, and the, the what sort of causes that can can vary a little bit depending on what sort of lore backstory to it. Um, so that what what what's what's happening with wizards is that. The sort of the earliest use of description of magic in D and D and spells is drawn a lot from a series called The Dying Earth by Jack Vance, which was popular among the uh, guys who got together and basically made D and D. And in The Dying Earth, the idea is that. Um, it's so far in our future that sort of the earth is dying and like the laws of physics are breaking down and this has led to the emergence of magic um, and magic is are sort of like these fundamental syllables that you can learn and once you utter them they change the universe but they are such an alien form of language that once you say them you forget them um, so it's a matter of, again, sort of committing that knowledge to memory over and over again through careful memorization and rote learning. Um, and I think that is probably the biggest influence on wizards and continues to be sort of this idea of, well, it's it's the sort of, they're the bookworms of the magical world. Um, and, and the extent to which that sort of, that idea of spells is carried forward in d d sort of shifts over time. Um, but that's sort of the biggest idea is that there's sort of these guys that really just sort of burrow down and learn sort of like the idea of like tr a true name or something or like the fundamental names of the universe is something that they learn. Um, I don't know that there's, there's a particular connection to, uh, Magic the Gathering. Certainly, I mean, some of those tropes might have sort of bled over over time, but I, I still think, I think a lot of, if you look at sort of the source material that they drew on, it's still a lot of sort of like the language that goes into, Wizards, um, at least certainly in the second edition, which is what Tor Torment comes from. I feel like that might have gone a little, a little really long, but 
Um, that is sort of like the backstory of wizards, um, as I understand. Oh, you went for the same thing, and you added some. Yep. Yeah. You can you can predict my oh, tenor tattoo on this. Um, <laughs> if there is a connection to Magic the Gathering specifically, I suspect it's the other way around, and that Magic uh-huh. is pulling uh-huh. from D and D rather than uh, the other direction. Um, like the the sort of framing device that that very much defined magic in its early years was that you were two planeswalkers dueling using whatever you know tools and like allies critters you had at your disposal um which totally smacks of some of the stuff that we've seen here in the smoldering corpse bar especially cambrian and his you know wandering across the various planes getting into trouble apparently almost losing himself at one point um, and being knowledgeable about, you know, Ignis's unfortunate situation. Um, so again, like I think, if if there is a connection, it's it's that direction. Um, and as magic has sort of become more engaged in like characterizing wizards with the other planeswalkers you can recruit as allies and stuff, it's it's very much in that same vein. Um, like even the 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 structure of magic where it is multiple planes and you're sort of bouncing from place to place that has d and d written all over it yeah oh and i I love the idea that this person has become a gateway mm-hmm. um because that you know that idea that like anything could be a gate anything could be a key it really means like anything or anyone in this case um which is pretty wild uh and I would love to free this, you know, set them free somehow. It seems to be sort of hinted that that might be possible, but it would be extremely difficult uh, if there's like a cadre of wizards who have who've done this to them. Um, yeah, I, I think Drusil at one point hints that like you would need a whole lot of water to make this happen. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> like oceans worth. Um, but yeah, it, it does seem out of the realm of possibility right now, but stranger things have happened and uh-huh. continue to do so. And so, I think... Oh, go ahead, Corey. Um, does this person, were they like a sorcerer? Is that why they're the gate? Or were they just like a normal person that was turned into the the gate? I, th- I haven't seen it. I think they were a wizard based on what Drusilla says. Um, like, I, I don't... Like, if there was a distinction between wizard and sorcerer in this particular situation, I didn't notice it. I think it was a wizard. Um... <laughs> And I, I get the sense that it's his wizard buddies who are messing with him on that front. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought the issue was that he was trying to burn down part of the town, um, and I didn't get a clear sense of why that yep. would be, thing that he was doing. But yeah, either he was tricked into it, or he was trying to get justice for somebody like it's it's very unclear at this point why he would do that although we do know that drusilla is apparently really in love with the guy right which might remind us of our ghostly friend down there in the basement um you know sort of waiting for somebody uh it does yeah and i was reminded of the post yes as well yeah it's like yet another physical uh in this case, um, landmark, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's also a person, in some way. So, seems to be quite a few of those hanging around. Yeah. 
Yeah, and what Mike was saying about the language um, made me want to ask about O, this person mm-hmm. who's just called O, uh, who's also there in the bar. Um, they seem for a little while. They seem very mysterious as well. Oh, do you did you make them go away somehow? Yes. Uh, oh. When when you get into a conversation with O, obviously he's really cryptic, and you know, like you. Even the description, the idea that like his eyes are featureless and dark, and it looks like you're looking through him to something else, and like even the, his avatar in the game has this quality, like it's shimmering or something. Um, and he like looks into you and describes the secrets of existence and the universe and stuff. And apparently, uh, depending on how far you explore the dialogue tree, you can get to a point where you sort of ask him to reveal the secrets of existence. And he just, like, gazes into you and you see, like, mortality, something in some abstract sense. And then when you sort of emerge from your reverie, he's gone, disappeared. And it almost seems to imply that you've absorbed him. Um, But in doing so, you get a permanent plus one bonus to your wisdom. Hmm. Worth doing, then. Mm -hmm. I mean... It's a heck of a bonus. uh, Yeah, so that's... I mean, but what he's talking about, it's almost like he is part of that language. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't know if that counts as sorcerer or wizard or what. uh, Yeah, this is something else entirely. Um, Yeah. Like, this is primordial order of the universe type things, if there is this sort of divine language, and he is, you know, one letter, one sort of component in the just order (laughs) of the universe. Um, like it just sort of even forces you to sort of wonder why is he in this bar? Like, does, doesn't he have better things to do than just bumming around and, <laughs> and, you know, what is apparently the diviest dive bar in Sigil? Like, you know, this is, this is dangerous territory. Like it is particularly full of thugs down here in the Southeast corner of the hive. And I was walking around in the middle of the night like a fool, and Mort even mentioned, like, you know we're in the most dangerous part of Sigil at the most dangerous time of the day, right? And I was forced to admit, yeah, this is probably not wise. Um, You know, once again, we're just sort of bumbling our way into some particularly suicidal activities. (laughs) Well, it's good for Mort to be looking out, then. At least he's got his mind out of the gutter for a change. (laughs) Indeed. Um... No, he's pulling his weight for me. Like he's oh, yeah. uh, definitely got me out of some straight, uh, some scrapes um, recently. Like I was saying earlier, um, but I could, I could go on all day about how I've just been running away from these thugs, who will just uh, like gather and mass and chase me around uh, all over the hive. But yeah, especially as you're going, well, like the um, the dangerous. What is it called? Dangerous Alley, angles. Dangerous, dangerous angles. Alley. Yes. Yeah, they're uh, pretty fierce. I ran right out of there again, and then yeah, all around uh, the bar there. And then um, I was just like running into any door that I could find to get away from these people, and I got killed by the old man's wife. You know, the old man who's like really mad at you for some reason when you right, go in his yeah. house. Um, I said the wrong thing to his wife, and she turned around and just killed me. Like, hit, took off the last hit point or two, and I was oh. and I was back in the mortuary again. So. That was embarrassing, <laughs> but also kind of awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Aww. 
you know the game is entertaining when even dying is sort of fulfilling and <laughs> makes for a good story. <laughs> right. Um, but I also discovered the uh, the tattoo parlor. Mm-hmm. So in that same general area, I think. Yep. Um, southeast. And again, yet another like uber powerful being is like the sense that I get of uh, this this Dabus who's like um, able to walk on ground and this is like a very weird thing to see and um it seems like if you get these tattoos that maybe they do some kind of status buff for you or something i'm not really sure i couldn't afford any of them of course at this point but there um, there were a ton on the list and a lot of them are like just ludicrously powerful um like I, i think the one that i was eyeing was uh there was it was only for fighters, which, you know, at the moment we are, in fact, a fighter. I don't think any of us, well, Mike probably has, but I don't think any of the rest of us have found any of the people who allow us to switch our factions and jobs. Um, but yeah, like, at, at least one I was eyeing, it was like a thousand, you know, jink, and it would have given me plus two strength as a fighter. Which just, and not having strength is killing me right now. <laughs> like, yeah. I designed my character so he only has 10 strength and 10 constitution. And it, the only way that I'm surviving any fight is, at all is I just throw Mort at people and then just have him, like, do his litany of curses at everyone to taunt them. Um, and then they, while they're all attacking Mort, I, like, swing wildly at them and miss <laughs> just all the time. Um, and... I, I actually did uh, pay somebody to make me a thief okay um, nice yeah and i kind of regret it because like i say i'm super duper weak like i was already pretty weak but i am well apparently as a thief if you attack from behind you do much better yes damage um so i just i just have to be much more dexterous about like yeah getting more to occupy people and then you know, run around behind them and, and stab them in the back um yeah so I'm, I'm working on it but curses thus far i haven't explored that at all honestly uh i don't know if i've learned any yet yeah he he starts with the litany of curses and then in certain circumstances you can improve his litany of curses so like if mort gets into a shouting match with one of the harlots um you can improve his curses and likewise anytime that you run into a character who you know has a sharp tongue on him uh mort can learn more curses um, but yeah, like the interface is a little wonky. It, it takes a little bit, but like it honestly took me until this most recent play for me to start really tinkering with the skills and stuff. Um, but at least in the old version, if you right click rather than left click during a battle, um, and then access his special skills, like it's the only one that he's got at this point, but you can use it to taunt enemies and force them to concentrate on, on Mort, which of course is super evasive and can take quite a bit of damage. Um, so it is way more helpful for, you know, all of those thugs to be trying to, you know, swing and miss at Mort than taking chunks out of the Nameless One's limited health bar at this point. I've, I've had a lot more success pausing, like pausing and then distributing commands to my three guys. Yes. Um, that seems to help a lot because I'm not like, you know, Twitch playing with it. Yep. Yeah, it's I'm, very much designed to sort of like jury rig it as a part, as a uh, turn-based game rather than real time. 
Yeah, and I, I've had a somewhat similar experience because I was a thief, um, didn't care for it, which is funny because that's sort of always my character type. And then I went back to fighter, and the nameless one has actually been the guy I've been throwing into the middle of every fight. Nice. Um, in part because, I mean, he, he so he he actually I I still have ten strength. I haven't put many points into it. Right. But I have a lot of proficiencies, like I've yep. cranked those up very high. Um, and I also have, um, because this is this is always how I play, um, I I like his, his natural regeneration, and I actually got a tattoo that boosts that, so I'm like, well, give him enough time, give him enough time, yeah. he'll come back. So he's been kind of my meat shield. Nice. Um, yeah. So you had three party members. I assume you picked up Dakon from the Smoldering Corpse Bar. Who else did you grab at this point? Uh, Mort. Mort. Sorry, it's three. Oh, it's Mort, Dakon, and the Nameless One. Okay. I thought it was like three in addition. I, I know that there's at least one more that we're going to be recruiting very soon, but I wasn't sure which one. Right. And and I, I wanted to, to just to, to be that guy, just to clarify, um, sorcerers don't come around until the next edition of the game, so there aren't oh. there are no sorcerers, technically speaking, in Planescape Torment. I wondered if that was the case. I knew that Sorcerer was a relatively recent development, and since Torment is like second edition based, I, I was willing to bet that it was it was something that didn't exist yet. Um, yeah. But I was wondering if anybody had gotten fell the tattoo Dabus um, his backstory. Oh, I have not at this point, but I haven't talked to him a lot yet. Oh, uh, okay. I, I it might be only after. I, I do know that you know just from asking around that apparently he's disconnected himself from the Lady of Pain, which is quite a feat in its own right and probably explains why he can't float anymore but i didn't actually get it from the horse's mouth yeah. do, do, should i should i wait until till you all do you pick it up um i'd say like yeah let's let's hold off on it because i suspect we'll be visiting him fairly frequently um and i suspect we do have one more hive conversation before we really get on with the, yeah. the main quest Sorry, Mike. We're just holding you back. No, no. It's it's it's. I understand. It, it might be only because this might be because I got it because I brought him my severed arm from the catacombs. That would do it. Oh, what? Yep. Oh. Yeah, you're gonna keep finding pieces of yourself. I found uh, my my old severed arm, and I brought it back to Fell, and that's where I got the regen boosting tattoo. And I also that that was when I think I know. I'm not sure if I just noticed it or if that unlocks the dialogue about. Fell's past, so yeah. Okay. Keep an eye out for that, y'all, because that's really cool. <laughs> I, I was really confused because the the bartender of the Smoldering Corpse says, "I've got your eye." Yes. And I was like, "But I have both my eyes. What is that about?" Um. But okay, so there's all different parts out there. Okay, interesting. Yep. So, did you actually get the eye? No, <laughs> I have like six different quests I'm supposed to be doing, and I have. Made zero progress on any of them. Yeah. yeah, like you have to have a decent amount of money in order to get the eye back. Like he apparently the nameless one gave him the eye as collateral for wrecking up his bar at some point in the past. Because again, you know, all of the nameless one's adventures that we only get these sort of little glimpses of. But if you if you 
talk him down, you can get him down to 300 gold. And then he'll sell you the eye. And then he, he like, pulls it out of whatever jar he's keeping it in. And then immediately starts to decay. And you have to, like, make the call right then and there. Like, are you going to rip out your current eye and replace it with this one? Or are you going to, like, just let it die right there and miss the opportunity? And if you do inside, decide to claw out your own eyeball, um, it does a significant amount of damage to you. And you can die in the process. Not that oh. I know from experience or anything. Um, <laughs> but if you do survive the process, you get a, some little glimpses of memory, and you get a whopping plus one proficiency point to allocate to weapons or whatever it is that you're currently uh, doing with your class. Um, but yeah, out. you know, body parts. Gotta watch out for them. You know, <laughs> you're gonna stumble across a little bit of the old you. How does that work though i thought so what, hap you... what happens when you uh and you like no. see some things you saw in the past or something yeah um it, it's really only in the dialogue uh most of the time but the nameless one has amnesia and you know you're, you're trying to sort of like regain your memories piece by piece and when you perform certain actions that he has a connection to or when you you know reconnect with old stuff of yours which apparently includes body parts you get these little glimpses um and with the eye it's very fragmented like i think there's three little like mini vignettes where it's like you see some demons hanging around or you see you know like some place that that you recognize in the past like it, it's not much and it doesn't really affect the game all that much again like as much as we are keen to recover our journal and sort of get back on track with whatever the nameless one was doing in his past lives the game seems very keen to give us more glimpses than substance um but yeah you get a couple of pieces and then it's just back to normal and now you're carrying your old eye instead of the new one however that works it's yeah i mean uh I guess you do have like a regen ability, right? So maybe you are like regenerating body parts as you lose them, or just something. like a starfish, I, I, I guess. Like... <laughs> yeah, no, I, I would I would say it's a it's a logical extension of the nameless one's immortality, because otherwise, yeah, you just like pack them up into pieces or something. And no, I, I love it. I love, and I and I and I don't want to spoil too much, but there's one other thing I found, which was a finger, which wasn't mine. But I still grafted it in place, and I got a ring from it because I'm like I removed my finger and put this finger in its place. So I, I he it's ring attached. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> it's I'm wondering if there's you know uh, so my mind goes to like with the eyeball thing like an Oedipus type story right of gouging out your eyes. Uh, there's Odin. Right, who who has to take his eyes uh, for wisdom or whatever, and then with the arm you've got Beowulf mm -hmm. and um, the the Grendel fight where he rips Grendel's arm off and the monster escapes, but the arm is like a trophy that they hang up over the bar, you know, and and carouse around. Um, so, I mean, I think it's cool that. This kind of thing tends to happen in these old stories too, and and then like we see it kind of played out in a, you know, a sort of serio comic way, uh, in our little um, 
our little playthrough so far. Uh, but also in Fell's house, and I, I'm less inclined to like worry about spoilers. Honestly, like I don't care if you tell me stuff that I haven't seen yet. But I do notice that he's got some human skin back there that he's been doing some work on. If you like go through his, his curtains and there's like cryptic drawings on all his walls and then there's more terrifying stuff on human skin and you know whose skin is that and uh i just have a lot of questions about fell i guess so he seems like a powerful person with a lot of sort of yeah i'm okay with spoilers too stories there so all right you heard him mike if you want to tell us where where fell comes from go for it (laughs) all right all right all right so well, what, what I love, part of the things I, one of the things I loved about it is, Bell. I I like his backstory, and it is not developed solely for Planescape Torment. He's actually from like the source books, which I just love. I, I love them bringing bringing them in, which they haven't done too heavily, but or so far. But he's a outsider they brought in. So the idea is, a Ascar, the god of portals. To, decided to sort of set up shop in the city of Sigil, which makes a lot of sense, right? Like, he's the god of portals, It's and the Sigil is home to infinite portals. And the Lady of Pain sort of let that go for a while, um, and the, the cults dedicated to Asgard sort of grew and grew, and then Fel j- decided to join, and that was sort of the last straw for the Lady of Pain that one of her servitors had joined, so then she sort of went in and wiped it all out, uh, um, as she does. And Askar is no longer with us, and fell sort of like in the doghouse for eternity because he decided to go and join the literal priesthood. Um, and I just lo- I just love that that they brought that in and like the whole, whole dynamic of the Lady of Pain is this like in some ways arbitrary and capricious, but also it's kind of like. You could have figured out, given her strict desire to keep the city neutral, that this is how she likely would have responded. So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of that story and the fact that they brought it in to the game. So yeah, it's a nice tidbit. Like on on the one side, yeah, you, you kind of get the sense that Phelp should probably have known better in this situation. Like, really, what was he expecting? Um, but yeah, like it, it's it's neat to see that. The, the dynamism here that you know as much as the lady of pain is trying to keep everything neutral she can't keep it stagnant like the sigil is a place of radical change all the time mm-hmm. um as you know you can't stop that from happening and keeping it from happening requires some fairly drastic measures from time to time and so these gods and these planeswalkers uh they seem to interact quite a bit with everybody of the, you know, mortal or immortal or whatever uh, variety. Like, there's just what strikes me, I guess, is that how much uh, back and forth there is, and and how, uh, yeah, involved uh, all these different levels of reality sort of are with one another. Um, you know, there's like dragons walking around in the mer. In, in the marketplace and, and sleeping at the inn, uh, there's a centaur type creature or whatever. So it's just it gives you this feeling that yeah, this place is a, a crossroads, right? And and maybe that for all the despair and death and and everything, there's also sort of the hint of a possibility that you can also rise in that food chain, 
right? And that's a big part of the allure of D and D, as I understand it, right? Is that you're gonna see your character grow, and um, you can sort of that in various different ways. Uh, but I, I haven't yet made any friends, uh, so I think that's maybe one of my big drawbacks right now is I need to make friends with some of these gods and dragons and centaurs, get them know, on my right? team. Yeah, because uh, I'm pretty weak at the moment. Have you managed to convince Dakon to join you? No, I haven't got anybody on my team except this skull. It sucks. <laughs> Dakon's <laughs> the first guy who will join up. He is in the Smoldering okay. Corpse Bar, um, and if you talk to him for oh. a little while, uh, like again, explore that dialogue tree, see through some of the options, you can, you can engage him in a fairly involved conversation about... Uh, the city and its allegiances and whether or not it's it's behaving deceptively or, or truthfully, whether or not it's flawed, as he puts it. Um, Dakon is currently visiting from Limbo, which is one of the super chaotic planes. Um, and it would appear that the way that he is, that he and his people navigate the rampant chaos of limbo is by focusing their mind to such a profound degree that they are basically building order out of chaos through sheer force of will and belief uh, but this is a dangerous business because if in fact the belief wanes in any way or if you if doubts creep into your convictions um, the city will literally just disappear, vanish, like be devoured by the, the chaotic forces of Limbo. Um, <laughs> and what's more, Dakon carries around his, his weapon, the Black Blade, which he can manipulate through his thought that changes to suit whatever he wants it to be. So he can make it change color, uh, change shape, change sharpness, all of that. Corey? Sounds an awful lot like the Green Lantern movie I just watched. <laughs> <laughs> I can't exactly recommend that behavior, but yes, I, I suspect that there is some similarity there. If, uh, but I think Dakon's story is actually a little bit richer in that sense. Um, like, I hope. Upon talking to him, you, you find out that he actually had sort of like a cult of followers, but because he, he failed in his convictions, the whole thing very much fell apart. Um, and it was, if again, if you sort of talk to him more... Uh, you discover that, like, he apparently owes a profound debt to the Nameless One in one of his former lives. Um, you saved him from death in that situation, and as a consequence, he is forced to follow you, um, you know, trading his life for yours. But, you know, you can't die, which Dakon didn't know when he made this particular bargain. <laughs> um, so he's kind of been bumming around in the Smoldering Corpse bar, hoping that you wouldn't wake up and notice that he's hanging around, but now that you do see him, he is obliged to follow you. Um, although you have to tease some of this information out of him. Like, he'll join up okay. pretty readily, but then you've got to you know, talk to some of the other Gitzerai who are hanging around in the city and engage him in dialogue a few times. And finally, you'll be able to tease out the whole story um, of exactly why he's in this predicament and exactly how you've gotten him to, to follow you. Huh. Okay. Well, and I really wanted the old man to join up. Uh, but he just will talk and talk and, and feed you beer and take sips of his. Like, he's pretty cool. Uh, the old warrior that's in there. Um, Ebb Creek Knees, is it? Is, 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 yeah, there's something about the knees. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Creek Knees. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yep. Creek Knees. Love that guy.
well, so it's. I mean, eh, it's tough because I, I can't tell. Like I said, like, is this game supposed to be really hard already, or am I just terrible at it? Like, am I okay? So I gotta just get some people to join my party. It's gonna be okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's understandable. Like the first time I played through, I had a similar experience, and you know, there's a reason why I wanted to move real slow through the hive because you're either gonna <laughs> like, as ugly as it is to say, you either pick it up really fast or you don't. And I think Mike is just racing through because he he's D&D. He's got a lot of the mechanics under the belt. He's sort of, you know, figured out a lot of the a lot of the uh, ways to to exploit things. But, yeah, I, I definitely don't fault you. Like, the first time I played through, I think it took me, like, six hours just to wander around the hive and, and accomplish as much as we have. And there was a lot of running away from thugs and a lot of, like, gaming systems. Like, you have been running into doors to get out of ugly fights. Um, if I'm pretty sure that, like, I would just go back to the room where the portal dumps you out of the mortuary because you can rest there safely. And just every time my health was down, I would just go back there and rest. And I, like, burned off mm-hmm. three weeks of game time um, oh, whoa. just gaming that system. Um, which is not exactly recommended, but is an effective strategy. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I don't think I don't think it's a, it's a skill thing at all. Like, I think it's, it's very much a, a kind of, you have to figure out the eccentricities of this particular particular weird game and its logic um and you know again part of it is also build like if you have a character who is strong like has high strength stats or you know can can hit regularly if he has high health you know if he can take advantage of the of the regeneration like mike is you know all of those things will contribute to your combat proficiency but if you go the other route and you pump all your points into charisma dexterity wisdom the sort of fuzzier, um, more role-playing type skills, it, the thugs are going to pose a much greater danger than they would otherwise. Yeah. Gotcha. gotcha. Les, have you have you met Porphyron in the um, northwestern area of the hive? I am supposed to get his necklace back. Is that the guy? Yes, and I I would recommend um, going through with that quest. Um, because he, um, once you complete it, he will train you in weapons proficiencies. Um, and so you can start developing those and then sort of like picking weapons that you've sunk proficiency points into, um, which was very helpful for me. So that's one thing to, yeah. So in general, I, I mean, just if you sort of push these um, quests through and then you sort of pick up the pieces from them, that can help definitely like get your character um, a little bit like in a better place for uh, roughing up thugs, which I just love doing because I, I, I just I just clear, clear the area of them and take their stuff. Yep. And I wasn't I, I wasn't I wasn't going to do that. I was going to be like, I'm not going to just pick random fights. I'm going to try to sort of be a little more careful. But they keep picking fights with me, and I was and I was winning. And I was like, well, then that's just how it's going to be. Yep. <laughs> Planescape Torment is not a game for avoiding the murder hobo strategy. It just it just okay. isn't. Like there's so many. Yeah. Um, and I, I would mind it. I would mind that more if it wasn't so balanced out by the ability to 
explore and role play and discuss. Like if it was just murder hobo, I'd have a lot less patience for it. Yeah. <laughs> Corey's recommending max out your defense. Okay. Yep. Uh, dude, Corey, you're gonna have your chance here if you if you check your email. Like I said, you can you can put all your points into defense uh, or stamina or whatever it's called. Constitution. Constitution. I've added. Okay. Constitution. Oh, it's a joke. She says, I just, it's hard to read humor on text, man. Um, yeah, I have not been using my, uh, my quest doing to my advantage very much. I just, I just talk to everybody and start all the quests and don't finish any of them. And then, yeah, just run away from all the thugs. And I gotta, I gotta stand up to these punks. That's what it comes down to, I guess. Yeah, and there's some oh, she's downloading quest conclusions that you can run through too like there's a ton of experience to be had there's a ton of swag like i, I just uh having met cambrian and, and talked to ingress again and, and solved her situation like i finally finished that quest and ingress passed on her teeth uh which you know you can now command mort to do special kinds of damage um, you can say, you know, I want your teeth to be super sharp, and they'll get sharp, and now he does piercing damage, <laughs> uh, which is just a wonderful, wonderful thing. Um, but yeah, the, the we've also got, like, some major deal quest givers at this point, like, especially if you're willing to join up with some of the factions. Um, we have, you can join the Dustmen faction by hanging out around the Dustmen's bar, um, in the southeast, next to the Smoldering Corpse Bar, you've got, what is it, Barking Wilder, who is the quest giver for the, what is it, Calcitites, Calcites, the, the chaotic faction. There's Nocitex? Yes. Um, so you can very much endear yourself to Barking Wilder if, in fact, you don't act like a human being and instead just spend all of your time growling at him or making okay. random animal noises um, and he will give you quests um, but you can also have a productive conversation with him either way like as long as you're willing to be just a little bit chaotic um, he will actually reveal that you have not one but many journals hanging around oh you. no and he even gives you the location of some of them he doesn't even know he's doing it. Like, you talk to him and he just enters this sort of apparent prophetic trance, I guess, a gift of the gods of chaos, and he explains huh. that one of them is in a tomb and one of them is, I think, in the, huh. the undercity in the catacombs somewhere. Um, and then when you ask him about it, he's like, what? I didn't say anything. I'll, what I'll, I'll, I took that as sort of the, the nameless one planted that knowledge there in the past. Like, it was kind of like a... Wow. Almost like a post-hypnotic suggestion, but I, I I I don't know. That was that was my guess. It certainly could quite as just as easily be the gods of chaos. Yeah, like it's it's tough to read. And again, it, the the actual dialogue doesn't give you any clues, if I'm not mistaken. Like we've seen the nameless one plant stuff before. Like you've got that body, the zombie shambling around, who you've got the the memory of, and you like grab the bits of stuff that's hidden in his chest like obviously that's you know the nameless one is also working here um but it isn't he plays, he plays the long game indeed he does he can afford to. <laughs> um, but yeah well, like look. the other thing i was kind of struck by through this is um my alignment changed uh yeah in my most recent hour i am now good neutral 
Me too. Me too. Yeah, I paid off um, the not Dustman's bar tab in the Smoldering Corpse bar. Um, she was like the the barman was eyeing her and saying that he was worried she was going to slip out without paying her tab. And I, and I walked over and I'm like, "Hey, you need to pay your tab." And she's like, "I don't have any money." And I'm like, "All right, I'll spot you a hundred, but you know we're done here." And the game was like, "Congratulations, you are now good." Uh, but to answer Corey's question, uh, one of the huge features of Dungeons and Dragons is that your character has an alignment um, which is formed along two axes, either good or bad, and also chaotic or uh, lawful. Um, and the planes reflect this. And in fact, talking to Cambrian, he'll like explain all of the planes in excruciating detail. Um, <laughs> Where, you know, you've got obviously not just the good planes and the bad planes, the lawful planes and the chaotic planes, but like lawful good versus lawful evil, chaotic good versus chaotic evil, and all the neutrals in between. Um, Cambrian betrays that he's a little bit of a fan of the chaotic good, but, you know, otherwise he, he tries to keep it fairly neutral, which isn't exactly neutral, because neutral is in fact an alignment, but... Whatever. Mike, do you want to weigh in? <laughs> no, I just wanted to say it's it's quite it's quite a setup because there's one for each alignment, and then there's one for the that bridges. There's a plane for each alignment, and there's a plane that bridges each of those. So there's a lawful good plane, there is a neutral good plane, and there is a plane between those two that bridges them. <laughs> right so there, it's it's called the great wheel and then sigil i was like when i mentioned this the the other another one of our conversations i was like i'm not sure if there's a totally true neutral outer plane but it's it's sigil yeah sure. what was i thinking it's sigil yep and we even get the description like if again if you press cambrian on it he explains that like sigil is the spire on which the great wheel spins um as though it's like the the center the hub um the axle um which is just, you know, like trying to actually imagine this and, and trying to visualize exactly how the universe works. Like, Cambrian's like, don't even bother. It's it's just going to blow your mind. Like, the, the people have been questioning this for a long time. Um, so, yeah, like, it's it's wild. But the, the alignment of the character absolutely matches up with the alignment of the universe. And what's more, by hanging around in certain planes... Cambrian suggests that it will infect you. Like, you spend too much time in the evil plane, chances are you're going to drift evil, and, and same with the good and the neutral and so on. Um, so by hanging around in Sigil, we at least don't have to worry about that so much, though I suppose it will kind of drag us back to neutral um, once we have an alignment. Um, but it's, yeah, lots going on there. That's what I was going to ask was about the... Uh... The, the way that time works in this game, it's uh, clearly keeping track of the clock. Um, but, I, yeah, so the one thing that I know it affects, right, is like how dangerous it is to be outside. Because mm -hmm. if it's darker, more bad, baddies are out there or whatever. Um, but is there other, are there other things that are sort of time sensitive? Uh, like meeting, you know, certain characters, can you miss them? Uh, if you're not there soon enough or uh, like is there is there only a sort of a cyclical time and they'll come back around or or will you if you dilly dally too long will you miss certain things for good 
I don't think there are fixed events. Like, it's not like Majora's Mask or something where, you know, if you miss, like, talking to Anju on the, the morning of the first day, then you're not going to, like, successfully be able to finish the quest or anything. Um, like, I don't think it's got anything nearly that sophisticated going on here. But I think that there are things being tracked behind the scenes that do have to do with time like if you are futzing around you know all the time in sigil and not progressing the main quest it could very well be that that affects your alignment or something um as again cambrian is suggesting here that you'll drift towards whatever plane you're hanging around in and if the occasion should come that we leave sigil and start hanging around on planes that do affect our alignment i suspect that that will also tend to affect the way that things things work um, okay. But generally speaking, there's not a whole lot of, like, there, there's no reason not to just sort of futz around and do whatever you want. Um, not much is time sensitive, at least not at this point in the game. One of one of the, the main things, though, that, I, and I think this is less um, narrative and more mechanical, is um, resting reset the spells uh, that a mage has memorized. So, so in either Dakon, because he is a fighter slash mage or or you um as a mage is that um your spells come back after you rest so that's one of the things that it's it's just kind of one of those things um you you memorize your spells sort of over the course of your rest and then they reboot so that's one of the i think it's certainly there's i i i I mean, like Ben said, I, I I don't know sort of what down the road it looks like, but I think that's one of the main reasons they have the rest mechanic is a reflection of the mechanical spell stuff. Plus okay. being able to just heal, which is yeah, it, it, short enough supply. Right, it does it does provide some healing. And, uh, yeah, I I um, could probably benefit from that, but I just. I feel like I won't be able to do anything uh, without getting um, uh, at least somebody, yeah, a fighter mage or a pure fighter or, you know, somebody else who can help me take out these thugs. Um, I, I Have you learned some spells already? Can you, like, just blow them away at this point? Or is it still uh, a lot of melee combat for you? Uh, for me, it's mostly still melee. Uh, Dakon has some spells. Uh, he starts with them, but his are, are, are uh, generally like sort of buff spells. Um, I did I did teach him, I think, chromatic orb from a scroll. Um, but I mostly I, I I really am just rushing into melee um, because that's really all the nameless one can do until and unless he becomes a mage. And that's what Mort does. And Dakon's a fighter, so it kind of works. Um, but you could definitely go that route quickly if you're getting the scrolls for the spe- the damage spells, and you load up your mage characters with those. Um, there's certainly nothing stopping you. But I, I've I personally have been going the melee route. The okay. other thing, because my just... mind, Wes, is it, a lot of it is also going to be about execution at this stage. Uh, like if you just bum rush the the thugs, they will absolutely just take the nameless one apart. Um, but if instead you sort of send Mort to do your dirty work, like have him, you know, engage them initially, get their attention with taunts and stuff, and then have the nameless one like pick 
uh, take on one guy at a time, Mort can take tons more hits than the Nameless One because they just keep missing him. Um, he's, he's designed to be a tank, um, as strange as that may, may seem. Like, right. So a lot of this is, is about, you know, like, pause often. It's literally just the space bar, and then you can, like, give your characters commands with the by right-clicking and, and selecting abilities and stuff. Um, like, don't don't play the way that it that seems the most intuitive as unfortunate as that sounds um like D D is supposed to be turn-based and planescape torment is pretending that that's real time um which causes some frustration um so so yeah just like uh when when you see people starting to fight you or if you want to preemptively attack someone like specifically select mort have him go you know get their attention um, taunt anyone who does seem to be more interested in attacking the nameless one, and then use the nameless one to sort of pick them off one at a time while Mort keeps engaging people. Gotcha. No, it's just my my dream. You know, my understanding is that you ultimately want to have like a fireball spell or oh, something sure. like that. And just, you know, dragon fire <laughs> attacks that torch you know hordes of bad people out there uh, on the D and D board. Um, that's what I always imagined it being like anyway. So. Well, that, that's that is coming. Towards... The, day, the day is approaching. Uh, one day you will be able to just, you know, like say hello and all of the thugs will run in terror at the, the oncoming of the Nameless One and his band of miscreants. Um, but for now, anyway, we're at the bottom of the totem pole. Um, so, yeah. yeah, definitely get Dakon on your team. He'll He'll join up with just a little bit of suggestion um and then be careful about how you employ more between the two you should be in great shape nice good tips yeah good tips for our newbie and, here and don't, and don't forget porphyron yes and finish porphyron's quest get him his necklace back and he'll he'll make you a much more proficient fighter both literally and uh <laughs> figuratively porphyron. yes right on uh well so um, what do we do from here? Explore the underground, I take it? Yeah, or I think at this point more? it's probably a good bet to say let's go find Farad. Um, he's going to yeah. send us off on a quest, and if we just get to the point that like, we go through Ragpicker's Square, find Farad, and, and get the quest, then we can embark upon it next time. But yeah, finish exploring the hive. At this point, it should be much faster. The Smoldering Corpse and the uh, Gathering Dust Bar really are kind of the two focal points here. Um, so explore the western part of the hive, get to Wet Ragpicker Square, maybe wander around the Alley of Dangerous Angles if you're feeling particularly feisty. Dangerous. Um, <laughs> we'll go from there. Great, great. Well, cool. Well, thanks again, y'all. Yeah.